Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sipple. Three. Oh, hold on. Three, two, one. Welcome in. Life in the Red podcast. Is that the right name? I forgot. Yeah, that weeks. is. You nailed it. You nailed Life it. in the Red podcast. I'm Chris. There's Parker. There's Steve down there. This is our first podcast in three weeks, just about. It's uh, 2.30 p.m. January 5th, 2022. It's a new year. It's a new us. It's not really a new us. I'm wearing the same stuff I wore last year. Drinking the same Mountain Dew. Shout out to Mountain Dew. But it is 2.30 yeah, on January Shout out to 5th. Mountain Dew. Shout out to Mountain Dew. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Um, we still, Nebraska still doesn't have all their assistant coach spots filled, though it looks like they're closing in. Uh, we, we'll talk a little hoops tonight. We're going to talk transfer portal quarterbacks. We'll talk some assistant coaches in football. I'm going to turn it over to the young man, Parker, who's been right on top of this along with Steve. Uh, Steve. Steven, who's, uh, what's the situation? What's it looking like? What kind of timeline are we looking at to, to kind of fill these last couple spots? Yeah, the young, the young men, me and Sybil. The young man, the young man, yeah. the, viril, the, the virile young man. Yeah. <laughs> hello, hello. All right, Parker. Welcome to 2022. Me. It's 2022, you can say that now. Um, it, yeah, it's, there's still, I mean, season's been over for seven, six, seven weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's still pretty active. I mean, it's settled down some definitely um, before Christmas, but the two big fronts that are still sort of being, being worked there's always stuff going on. Like yesterday, the dab Joseph came off the roster, junior defensive back. And, and, you know, so there's always like roster stuff going on, but the, the, the biggest items in the hopper right now, obviously are trying to find a, a quarterback in the transfer portal or, or maybe two. Um, and then rounding out the staff, the staff, I guess we might as well just start there because it's probably more like the more likely of the two to happen um, n- near the time that this podcast will get published. Yeah, like today. Um, yeah, like yeah. Per- perhaps today. Um, we have a pretty good idea of what's going on with essentially two two out of three moves. Um, and we know what the third will be. We just don't know who it is. So we're expecting that Mike Dawson will coach the defensive front in some capacity, D-line, uh, maybe the outside linebackers as well, maybe some of the outside linebackers. Uh, that's obviously a position he's really familiar with. That was what he did in 2018. Um and then obviously he's been the outside linebackers coach the past two years. That would essentially, you know, that that helps make up for Tony Tuioti, uh, who left for Oregon just before Christmas. Uh, and then Bill Bush, we're expecting to be the special teams coordinator. And he'll probably he could be the recruiting coordinator on the staff, too. We haven't seen that tag been given out. Oh, that's a possibility. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the other thing would be if you know, Eric Chenander, the defensive coordinator has coached Nichols. He coached the Nichols last year, the Jojo Doman types. Um, Bill Bush has coached both safeties and outside linebackers. That's sort of a hybrid of the two. He and Mike Dawson already worked sort of hand in hand over the past year. So however, those duties exactly get split up between OLBs, Nichols, Dawson, Bush, Chenander, like, it's a pretty seamless fit, don't you think, Sipple? I mean, it, it mm-hmm. sort of works the way it looks like it's coming together. On the yeah, it's I, like I've characterized it, it. It doesn't seem like it's caused a lot of stress. Right. You know, like even Tuioti leaving, 
um, as I know you're, you're, you are very, I mean, you are very, well, I, I know you thought Tuyoti was a really good coach, as did I. But, it, you know, if they're going to lose somebody, it was pro- it's probably that one is the, le- the, the easiest to absorb because of what you just laid out. Now, Bill Bush, the one thing I would say, I wouldn't, I just, I, and I do think, you, you said something sort of interesting, Bill Bush maybe is a special teams coordinator and, and a recruiting coordinator. If it was me as the head coach, um, if I was running that, I'd say no way. That's too much. The special teams is special teams is so much. You know how it goes. I mean, there's so many people involved. It, there's there's intricacy in scheme. There's then you have to take all that to the practice field. I I would never do that. God, but it's 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 interesting because Bill probably would be Bill Bush probably would be a pretty good recruiting coordinator. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. I wonder about that now that you mention it, um, how that's going to look. But yeah, it's all, it looks like, I don't know when it's going to fall into place. I do think we have a decent handle on the running backs coach. I, yeah. There's no doubt they're looking at, what's the guy's name at Florida Parker? Greg Knox. Knox. Yeah, Greg Knox. And there's no doubt that Ron Brown's in that conversation. Now, after that, well, we don't. We know that Kevin Falk, the LSU coach, is out of it. We know that summarily. Um, we don't. Now, there's another. There's probably another person or two in that conversation that we, I don't know. Parker, you might know. I don't know. Yeah, there's a guy named Brian Applewhite who's at who's been at TCU. TCU. Yeah. His name's come up in the in that in that conversation. So. You know, and that, but there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of running backs coaches out there, obviously. The, you know, a lot of coaching staffs have come together. I did see um, a report the other day that Jim Mastro, who is a longtime running backs coach at Oregon, uh, sort of similar to Kevin Falk, potentially could have been a candidate, but is going to stay on the West Coast and maybe not coach next year uh, for family health uh, oh. reasons. And I think Kevin Falk, I mean, it was a really sad story. He lost a daughter or something like yeah. that. Um, he did in September. And so I think that probably plays into, you know, him not coaching, perhaps not coaching next year. Anyways, th- there's a bunch of candidates out there. We, like you say, Sipple, I mean, we have a decent handle on at least, you know, two or maybe three names that are in the mix. And then it, it could go beyond that, but we sort of, you know, I think before the staff reported back for, for work this week over the holidays, I think the idea was to get most of the interviews knocked out. Uh, for that spot. And so it's sort of, sort of of the mind that could happen anytime in the next couple of days or week, or probably ideally just before they go out on the road recruiting at the end of next week. Now it'd be that's ideal. It. Probably. That's it. That's it. And it remember like, yeah. And remember like with, with Mickey Joseph and you know, when that, when that was coming together, you don't finalize a hire one day and have the guy out, on the road recruiting necessarily the next day, at least that's not the way it's worked this off season at Nebraska. Like they, Mickey came up to Lincoln, he went out on the road then he came up to Lincoln and he went back and, you know, it took a couple of days for the, the paperwork and stuff to get done. And so, you know, you'd think that by early to mid next week, um, maybe you'd have something wrapped up so that a guy could get out on the road a little bit, or at least be on campus uh, next weekend when, when they host some official visitors and stuff like that. So It'll be interesting too, simple to see if whoever the running backs coach is has a player. 
a running back yeah. in mind or a relationship with a running back um, that would maybe be an offseason addition for Nebraska too. There's no doubt that if, if, if all things are equal and that coach, this, in this case a running backs coach, has that player, that could tip the scale. There's no doubt about that, but especially if it's a good veteran proven running back. It's sort of like the quarterback conversation. There's no doubt that they want a, a, a good veteran running back. I mean, someone that you'd look at and say, yeah, maybe you could be the starter. Um, so I don't know what's available in the portal, but that's definitely that's definitely one of the positions they would they would they're looking at hard, hard. The other one of the other ones obviously is quarterback. And so there's been some movement on that front. Um, it's hard to sit here even on January 5th and say, you know, exactly what direction it's going. Um, but two, I mean, the two names that have been sort of primary in the conversation, at least for the week, last week or 10 days, uh, Casey Thompson, Texas transfer, and then Chubba Purdy, uh, who spent his first two years at Florida State. Purdy, we know, is visiting uh, the weekend of January 14th, and obviously that's right before the spring semester at Nebraska starts. And he's, he's a young guy. He's got four years of eligibility left. And I, I think, and simply correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think that Nebraska probably has an idea that, that Purdy's not a guy like – at this point, Purdy's probably not expecting to just waltz in somewhere and have a starting job locked up. I mean – you want a guy who feels like he can come in and win the job, no matter who he is. You want a guy that's confident, but there's not many places where a kid that young could, could commit to at this point and be handed a job. So unless you wanted to drop down or whatever. So that Purdy seems to be the part of a two quarterback strategy here for Nebraska in terms of what they're looking at in the portal. Yeah. And then Casey, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because then Casey Thompson is a would be a fifth year guy and has started a lot of games for Texas and all of that. And so some whether it's him or somebody like him, we know Nebraska has talked to a ton of quarterbacks and a bunch of experienced ones. Thompson sort of comes up the most often um, at this point. And so if it's those two guys, then you've got an older guy uh, who you're hoping can lead you this year and a group of younger players to co- to compete for the job after that. Um, and if it's not Thompson, then they're probably looking for another veteran somewhere out there. Yeah, Parker. Um, yeah, you characterize it perfectly. Purdy, for people that are wondering, Chubba, 6'2", 205, 210. His experience at Florida State, his, his amount of experience is very similar to Logan Smothers at Nebraska. Yeah. I, think he attempted, I think he was 27 for 53 passing. He hurt his collarbone. He, he, I think he broke his collarbone in 2020 fall camp, came back that year, played a little bit, uh, played a little bit uh, this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I don't think that's the guy you, you, you'd say, okay, he's going to be our guy. Now he could end up being that. Right. The, the most interesting thing to me, and the thing we have to hammer home is dates. You, you did. Um, he's visiting January 14th. Classes begin January 18th you would think they would want to have somebody in place um, Purdy and somebody else at that point. Now we have talked about this Parker and I, I mean, I'm a little, maybe it's just cause my age, um, but I'm a little more, I'm patient. <laughs> if you have to wait till May 
And, you know, if it's after spring ball, I don't think that's the end of the world. It's not ideal. I get it. It would be really, there would be some stress involved in that. Um, but I think, see, here's the thing. I think you gotta be careful not just to take somebody you're not really sure about. Right. I mean, right. It's really close. I mean, this is, these things are really difficult. I mean, um, well, there's a lot on the line too, to get your there's job. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how, how, how it's going to shake out. Casey Thompson's interesting to me. I saw him play a couple of times this year and I like him, you know, he's different. He's a lot different than Adrian cause he's not nearly as big. Um, probably manages games better though, better decision maker, better in the quick passing game. Um, if they do, if they do that, which they should. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what it looks like. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting too. I mean, so, sort of like you say, simple, you know, if they would have had, if they would, if there was a guy that they absolutely were head over heels about and the feeling was mutual, maybe this could have been done a couple of, of weeks ago or whatever they, they would have, you would have welcomed that, right? Like if Spencer Rattler, what, you know, he went, Spencer Rattler went to South Carolina, like yeah. two or three weeks ago now. Yeah. So some teams, they found yeah. a match, they found uh-huh. a good fit, boom, they got done and they're out of it. Now they're out of the quarterback market and they feel good about it. Yep. The later it goes, you do sort of wonder about that patience element where you feel like you need to find a guy. And at the same time, like if there's not one that you're crazy about, you don't want to create a log jam just to create a log jam. Ah, right. You got guys. You got guys. I mean, you got, you have a couple guys already in Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg, who doesn't get mentioned very much, Heinrich Harburg. Um, but I think he should too. I think he should not, not necessarily in the, like, he's going to win the job in spring ball or something like that. But if you just were going to go on physical traits, like he and Torres are more along the lines physically of what Mark Whipple has succeeded with in the past. Yeah. So, and, and Harbor can really, and Harbor can really run too. I mean, he, you know, he's a, he's a fast guy. He's got a really terrific sort of physical toolkit to work with. The question is going to be, for anybody, whether it's Smothers or Harburg or Torres or Chubba Purdy or whoever, like how quickly can they pick up what Whipple's putting down? And that's where you would just think that a veteran would be able to help with that bell curve. And spring ball would really help in that. Oh, no doubt, Parker. I I totally understand that. I mean, it, what the, you know, when I, when I broach that idea, maybe of waiting until May, I mean, it's a super, that's now now you're in a pretty stressful situation. You're putting a, a quarterback in that it would almost have to be a veteran quarterback and he would have to come in in May and really go to work. Um, so I don't, I, that would not be ideal. Baz, what's in your toolkit? What do you, what are you thinking? Is I got thinking? all kinds of stuff in my toolkit. I wanted to ask, you know, yes. and, and you guys are talking about veteran quarterbacks. Where do you, where do you see Mikey Pauly maybe fit into this? He's the kid that's going to come up, um, play baseball. He's going to be on baseball scholarship uh, at Nebraska. He's also going to come up here in June and go through summer workouts with the football team. He's going to make a run at being a quarterback. He was offered scholarships at quarterback by Kansas State and Kansas. Kansas player of the year. He was the Kansas City player of the year. Won a state title. Like, this kid's this kid's legit. Like, he's a good player. He can move. He can run. He can throw it. He's maybe doesn't have, like, maybe doesn't have, like, a, a Henrik Harburg arm or anything like that, but he's he's got a good enough arm. Do, do you see him kind of fitting into this way? Into Parker, this go ahead. Parker, go yeah, ahead. I think he's kind of I think he's kind of a wild card. It's hard to say like because he's I think you tend to to sort of say like yeah we'll see just because he's recruited 
primarily as a baseball player and he's also going to track football, it'd be a, you'd be talking, we would probably be talking more about him if it was the other way around. But I think that's sort of a lesson, like don't discount him. You know, if he gets to campus this summer and picks it up quick and has some talent, you never know what, I mean, if Mark Whipple likes the guy, um, you know, he could, he could be a factor in, in the room, you know, and, and it's just like, it's sort of like Richard Torres getting in Richard Torres will be here for spring ball, I think, but the, you don't ever, especially in a, with a group where there's guys that have played more, even if they're inexperienced, like you sort of discount it by saying, Oh yeah, maybe let's see. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question. Um, and if he cracks the depth chart in some way, whether he's third or second or whatever, like if, if they think of him like that, then you've got a pretty interesting scenario scenario on your hands, both for the rest of that quarterback room and for, for Mikey Pauly and, and his future. But okay, first thing first, he's, He's going to get to campus this summer and, and, and work out with the football team and, and be part of camp probably. Okay. Question. Would he, is there any way he could practice in, in like in Springs going forward? Would he be available in spring ball? That's, that's the issue. I mean, you wouldn't think so if he's going to be primarily a baseball player. Now the, the catch with this is if he, if he does well and he plays football for Nebraska, he goes on scholarship with the football team and, and yeah. loses his scholarship with the baseball team. So that's something that I'll probably factor into this too as well. And obviously a football scholarship, is going to be worth a lot more than a baseball scholarship when you're just talking pure financial side of, of things. So, yeah, I, I mean, they, they recruited this kid, the baseball team did because he's really good. Like as good as a football player as he is, he's a, he's a better baseball player. He's a he's big a guy dude, that, right? Big dude. Big dude, yeah, 6'2", plays catcher on his baseball team, but could also be a corner infielder, first baseman, third base, could even potentially play a corner outfield spot. Like, they could put him a lot of different places, swings a good bat, obviously has a really, really good arm, so he could he could stay behind the plate. So there's a lot of different spots they could put him. But they're, they're, that's the kind of guy that the, the, the baseball team recruits, thinking he's going to come in and compete. Right. Okay. So that, okay. that makes you think that he's probably not going to be available for spring ball. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, here's the issue with that. I, and, and we've seen this before. It's fascinating. You guys, I don't know. Parker definitely wasn't here because it was Ted Gilmore was the receivers coach. There was, there was a very uncomfortable moment in, in spring ball when Ted Gilmore, Gilmore was here during the Callahan era, I think. Um, and they had a kid that was playing a receiver that was playing baseball. I think his name was Kyrie Cooper. Is that, does that sound? Kyrie you know? Cooper. Yep. Yeah. And you know, he was a receiver and it was spring ball. And the question was, how does Kyrie Cooper fit into the plans? And Ted Gilmore said, well, he's not here. Okay. He's not here. So he doesn't fit into the plan. And it was, it was very, he, he, I mean, Gilmore was sending a message. He didn't like it. He didn't like that. The kid was playing baseball. We were asking him, asking him about football. So those are tricky situations. And how do you do it as a quarterback? I mean, right. That's the other part. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it has worked in other places, but normally it's with a guy whose talent is just so undeniable that it doesn't, you know, like Jameis Winston did it for. Yeah. Jameis. And, yeah. and Kyler James. Murray did it. Yeah. Kyler Murray, I think did it at A&M. Yeah. But even like, you know, remember I was covering Wisconsin. I was in college. I was covering Wisconsin football when Russell Wilson went there. And I was thinking about this a few minutes ago because Russell Wilson is a guy who transferred and didn't get to school until after spring ball. 
Now, mid-year enrollees, this was 11 years ago, mid-year enrollees or 12 years ago, were not quite as prevalent as they are now, but he got there in the summer. But part of the reason he left NC State was because the football staff there didn't like that he was playing baseball. And they were they benched him for Mike Glennon because he was playing baseball in the spring and not giving as much attention to football as that staff wanted him to. And he said, okay, I'll leave. Yeah. And, and so well, even, so even he, you know, that's Russell Wilson and he, he had that issue when he was in college. So it's not, it's certainly not easy. It's far more the exception than the rule to yeah. think that you're going to play two sports and especially in play quarterback. Oh, think about it. I mean, if you just, I mean, it always sounds good when you're talking about it. I don't mean to pour cold water on the Mikey Pauly story at all. I don't want to do that, but it's, when you look at it pragmatically, it's really difficult. It's really fun to talk about right now in January um, before he ever gets to campus. But when it gets down to it, if he's really going to compete for the the, the quarterback job at Nebraska, how do you miss the spring? I mean, can can, can I, can I tell you what? Yeah. Unless he's a freak. Unless he's a freak. Yeah. I've not talked to Mikey Pauly at it, but if you want to, if you want to size up what it looks like, it looks like a kid who's in a great position to work out in the summer with the football team when he gets to campus, see where he's at as a starting point, and then just sort of wonder to himself or let the coaching staff tell him if they really want him to stick with football. And if they did, then he'd have a decision to make about whether he was going to play football or baseball in college. But he, if you're looking at it from his standpoint, it's like, so you're telling me I can go there on scholarship to play baseball. I know they want me. And before I ever hit the baseball field with those guys, I could also try football, get evaluated by the staff about what they think my future might or might not be, and then make a decision about what sport I'm going to play. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I think interesting. you nailed it, Parker. I think that's it right there. And, yep. and he's going to play baseball for his high school team this spring. He wants to do that. Yep. Um, and not that he would have to. He's, he's obviously already committed, but he's clearly a kid that really enjoys playing baseball. But yeah, he's kind of a kid. He kind of holds the cards in, in, a, in a matter of speaking. Now, Nebraska's football is not going to hold a spot back for him or anything like that. But you're right. He's, he's in a good spot. If football doesn't work out, I got my scholarship waiting for me over at Haymarket. In fact, if it turns out I come in and I pick up this offense, whoa, I got a full ride to play football all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's really kind of a no-lose situation for Mikey Paul. There you go. I didn't. I did not expect this to turn into the Mikey Polly podcast. But that's, yeah, that was we went we went deep on Mikey Polly. Yeah, it's oh, it's those things are fascinating. Um, okay, now so dates, Parker. Are they starting spring ball February twenty eighth? Is that is February twenty eighth? Yep. And the winter conditioning program starts Monday. Yeah. Okay. So Monday, January tenth, winter conditioning, start of spring ball February twenty eighth, spring game April 9th. Yeah. Um, that's what's on young Parker's mind. Baz, Baz, you were at PBA last night late. 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 Big 10 basketball after dark last night. The Nebraska women's team just just took it to number eight Michigan, took them out to the woodshed and, and gave them a whip in 79-58, led from the start, uh, led by double digits at the end of the first quarter and basically kept that lead in double digits the rest of the game. Uh, never got lower than nine uh, after the, the end of the first quarter. Improved to 13-1, and 2-1 and one in the conference. Um, as complete a game as I've seen by a basketball team over there in a few years, men's or women's, they were really, really good defensively, especially early. They took Nash Hillman, Michigan star forward out of the game. Um, she had 35 points, 22 rebounds when she played in Nebraska last year. She had 10 Whoa. points and seven rebounds last night. Whoa. Uh, 
What's what's her name? Nash Hillman. Naz, Naz Hillman, um, elite forward. We'll play in the WNBA. Um, really, really good player. Um, former Husker Leah Brown also plays for Michigan and averages 15 and a half a game. I believe she had 10 and was, I believe one for 11 from the field or something like that, or three for 11, three for 13 from the field or something like that. Defensively, they were just really, really impressive. And Alexis Markowski, the freshman from Lincoln Pius 10th made her first career start was dynamite scored 20 had 13 in the third quarter. Uh, when Nebraska's offense was kind of stuck a little bit, hit a three, uh, went against that really good front court and really went to work. They couldn't stop her down there. So, yeah, it was wow. just a wow. – it was a super impressive performance. You know, Nebraska's 13-1. and one. They were 12-1, and one, but they weren't ranked. They were coming off a loss at Michigan State where they didn't play very well. And maybe there were some questions about, well, how good is, is this team really? You know, and this was my first time seeing them last night, and they, they made a believer out of me. They've got really, really good guards, athletic guards in Jazz Shelley, Sam Hybe. Uh, the front court, I really like the front court with Izzy Bourne, Markowski. They've got some depth there. That's It's a complete team. Now, they're running the gauntlet right now. Last night was the first of four straight games against top 25 ranked teams. Um, so we're going we're gonna to keep learning about this team. But they do what they did last night. That's a team that can that should and will probably will make the NCAA tournament come win a couple games when we get there. They, were, two, they were really impressive. There's two interesting things about it that I see, and you can answer this. I think it's a compliment to that team to say, I don't know if it's easy to identify their best player. Correct. Um, and then the other thing that's always interesting to me in, in looking at the box scores, Amy's always playing nine or 10 players, at least 10 minutes. So they're, 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 they're deep and she uses the bench. And I think that's why they, they, well, they play really fast. I love, I love how she uses the bench because they, they have that first unit. And they were they were nine or ten deep five minutes into the game last night. And that second unit, it's clear what their job is. They come in and it's we're going to pick you up full court. We're going to pressure the oh, crap yeah. out of you. Oh yeah. You know it, they may not be quite yeah. as skilled offensively, but they they come in there and they as as Tim Miles used to say, they get after your ass on on defense. The Gata, the old Gata saying, yeah. and it's just a real it's a really cool it's a well organized a well thought out plan with that team because they can hurt you a lot of different ways they can hurt you really offensively with that starting five and you kind of get settled in against that well then here comes all these athletic young kids running all over the place getting you up full court so yeah they, they're really built well they're built like a good team should be built and they have the mm-hmm. right pieces and I think I think I think Amy Williams knows what she has I think she knows she can kind of push them a little bit and, and get a get them a good response out of them. And what I mean by that is, you know, they went up to Michigan state, got out rebounded, didn't shoot it very well. You know, it just never really gave them a chance to win. And then they go out last time they out rebound the top rebounding team in the big 10. They beat them on the boards and they shot the ball really well. And that tells me they got pushed in practice and they responded to it. And that's the mark of a good team. And Amy Williams said it last night. If, if the mark of a special team is being able to do that consistently, so we'll see if they can do it consistently, but they did it last night against a really good team. And that was, I think, if you're Amy Williams, you got to be thrilled with how things went last night. I, I was struck. Uh, I, I listened to her uh, news conference before, you know, the, the day before the game, you know, normal pregame stuff. And when she was asked about Leah Brown, she wasn't exactly chilly, but it, it was not, it wasn't particularly warm either. I mean, yeah, it was, it, I thought it was pretty clear. And then, you know, Trev Alberts, athletic director, had that video from inside the locker room after the game, and you saw they had 
uh, L, F, G in big letters on the, on the whiteboard from before the game or halftime or something. And it just, um, it's cool in sports when you know that there's reason for motivation and Lee Brown, not the only reason for that, but, you know, top 10 team coming to town and all that. But when you, when you tell, when you can tell that a team's ready to go and ready to play um, and then they stand on it and, and, and do it. Um, that's always a, that that's a sort of one of the stepping stones in getting to where you want to be in any program, right. Yeah. Is to uh-huh. say, we know this is a big challenge. We're ready for it. And then when you go out and do it, that's a sort of a challenge that you unlock that then typically, you know, serves you well at some point down the road. Too. I thought it was interesting. Alexis Markowski last night, you know, I asked her, you know, what were practices like this week, you know, after that Michigan state game and coming back. And a lot of times, you know, you get the standard answer. Well, you know, we practice great and blah, blah, blah. And she said, no, they were intense. Like it was, it was tough and it was tough because we made it tough on ourselves, you know, and we talk about Amy pushing the right buttons. It sounds like those players understand how to kind of hold each other accountable too, and how to push each other in practice too. And that's something, again, if you're a good team and you have that and you do that, and then you go execute it in the game, you got something cooking. And again, we'll see what these next three games look like for Nebraska. It's a, it's a tough stretch. They're probably not going to win all of them. If they do, then, then look out because they'll, they'll really be onto something, but yeah, it's, it was fun to watch. It's, it was, it was different than what I've been watching over there from, from the male counterparts. Uh, male counterparts. <laughs> yeah. That, well, what you said about the way Amy has amassed, I mean, she has amassed some decent talent, but amassing chemistry is also, that's coaching. Yeah. I mean, they fit. Those maybe, pieces fit. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she would tell you, oh, I don't know. We just got lucky. These are good kids. I don't know. No, you, you recruit good kids. You recruit kids that fit your program, that fit your culture. And it doesn't seem like your male counterparts, it's always that way. It seems like it's almost kind of thrown together. And then you kind of hope it works, you know. It was um, it was interesting to contrast what Amy said last night with what Fred Hoiberg said a couple of days prior, or I guess it was even earlier that day, um, and okay. talked about, you know, we played really hard against Ohio State, and here we are halfway through the season. And you're talking about your team playing hard, and Fred said it. he said I shouldn't even have to talk about this. I shouldn't have to talk about my team playing hard. That should be a given. And it should be a non-negotiable thing. But that was one of the things he said. He was really happy with the way, with the effort they gave, which kind of tells you the difference between those two programs right now. Mm-hmm. By the time you guys listen to this, it's going to be a little late, but Nebraska's at Michigan State last night. They're staying on the road and playing at Rutgers on Saturday, who just who just smacked Michigan around pretty good. Um, so they're like in the Big Ten. Yeah, then they come home and play Illinois, Purdue's in that stretch, um, and then Indiana again. So yeah, nice January for the men's team. So it just kind of, it kind of illustrates, I think, difference between these two programs right now, kind of where they're at. The record. Baz, Baz, we got to add something though. To be fair to the Wolverines, they they were without five guys. They were without five guys. They've been struggling too. They hung. They put 102 on Nebraska, you know, a couple three weeks ago, and it's they've really struggled since then. Um, I think they're seven and six. Yeah, they're seven and six. I think they've lost three of their last four uh, since the Nebraska game. Central Florida beat them by double digits. Um, that now they've got the COVID stuff going through. They're struggling offensively. Um, you know, if you, if you kind of read the stuff online about them, the the fan base, it, it's kind of funny. They talk about this team doesn't have any leaders. They don't have any shooting. 
they don't have any go-to guy and you're sitting there going, huh, that sounds kind of like the team that plays over at Haymarket or at Pinnacle Bank Arena right now a little bit. So yeah, I, you're, you're right. Sid. You're absolutely right. They were shorthanded last night. They also had all their starters uh, in that game against Rutgers too. And they were down 26 to 11, you know, 10 minutes into the game. So it's, look, it's, it's never easy in the big 10, it, it, whether it's the men or the women and Nebraska's going through it right now. Michigan's going through it right now. I think you can take some positives out of that game if you're Nebraska, but you got to figure out a way, as Fred said, you got to figure out a way to finish these games. You've led three games in the last 30 seconds and lost all three of them, you know, and led two of them by a couple possessions and lost those games. You've got to finish. And that, I mean, nine and five looks a lot different than six and eight. Um, and that's, but that's just where they're at right now. You got to try and keep putting yourself in that position. Eventually you, you hope your guys can figure out how to close one of those games out. Yeah. It's not luck. We're not, what happened, I mean, Nebraska blows a five-point lead with 30 seconds left against Ohio State. Now, that's rough, but I boil it down this way. And I hate picking on Lat Man because, as you know, Bath, I really like him as a player. I mean, he's, he's, he's limited athletically and all that, but he's, he's, he, gives it, he gives all he can. He missed two free throws. And then, then what happens, though? Ohio State, E.J. Liddell, who had a horrible game, two for 14 from the field, not a horrible game overall, but a horrible game shooting. But what happens? He has to bury two free throws to get them to o- overtime. He makes the first one. And then there's a tight cut. They call timeout. He, he's got a Nebraska calls timeout. He's got to come back and make one in that situation. He does it. Now, yeah. that's, that's what you call – that's the difference. I mean, that's the, to me, that was the difference. Now That's now a guy – yeah, yeah, sorry, going in, They got momentum going into overtime and – yeah. You know, then Nebraska has a guard that doubles when they're not supposed to be doubling. They swing the ball around and get two straight threes. I mean, that, that, the, the, hey, Baz, that's the, that's the difference. I mean, yeah, and missing a that's couple the, of and then a bad defensive assignment or two. Yeah, I mean, that, and that stuff's magnified when you're a team like Nebraska because the margin for error is so much smaller, right? They're like, they're not going to out athlete yeah. teams like, like Ohio State or even Michigan you know, Illinois, they can't cover that stuff up. They just, they don't have the guys to do it. So, and even, you know, going back and kind of rewatching the three that, that Ohio state hit to make it 72, 70, what happened? Two guys went with the ball and left a guy wide open on the wing who was who went four for five from three point range. And boom, Ohio state hits a three, nine seconds after Nebraska goes up five points, all your momentum's gone at that point. And I think everybody in the building knew when Lat missed, and I don't want to pick on him either, but everybody in the building knew when Lat missed those free throws, what exactly what was going to happen. It was just a matter of how it was going to happen. And you, you said it, EJ Liddell had a terrible game offensively, struggled. But what did he do? He, he went down there, he battled his tail off and got an offensive rebound and got fouled. You know, it, if you're having a bad game offensively, that's hard to do, you know, and, and he did it. He stuck his nose in there and got it done. And that's just the difference right now. Nebraska and they needs put- – yeah, sorry. Parker. Yeah, and they played through them on the first three, the same set, first three possessions of overtime. You know, like yeah, you're the team that's you're the team that's supposed to win. You clawed your way back. You got to overtime, and even though he didn't shoot the ball, they came through and ran the same set for him three times in a row to start overtime and two threes. Then he settled for a jumper and missed it and didn't make anything the whole night. But they knew when they when it got to overtime, they knew exactly what they were going to do offensively. You know, yeah, play through EJ Liddell just like they always do, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and Nebraska had a guy that doubled him when he wasn't supposed to, and that left the three balls open. Two straight three, three well, pointers to start it. And and you have a kid for Ohio State, Malachi Brandon, who scores thirty five points. Ah. The season high was eleven. And oh, well. you go back and watch some of those possessions in the first half, and there was one where he dribbled it up, 
just did a little dribble handoff with Liddell kind of, kind of drifted toward the middle of the court and, and the guy defending Bram just kind of drifted down underneath the screen and just kind of stood there and two Nebraska guys got picked and Bram stand there all alone straight on looking at the basket and buries a three point. Like it's, it's just stuff like that. It can't happen. It can't happen. You, you let a guy and you're playing the numbers. You're playing, a, you're playing this kid who hasn't made more than a, one three in a game all year to, to probably not do that again. And he does it, but he's doing it because he's wide open. There's nobody guarding him. So you allowed him to get comfortable early. So I mean, that's what it is. It's all when you're a six and eight basketball team, it's all exacerbated. It all gets bigger. Um, and it, every possession means a little more. And that that's hard when you're fighting that and trying to get past that. That's just where Nebraska is right now. Yeah. And there, and, and as you always say, and I'll just say it in a little more crude manner, the league is a total bitch. I mean, you, you have now to go to Michigan state, which has won seven in a row. Now they're not great. This isn't a great Michigan state team, but it's, they play a it's lot of possessions. It's not a great matchup because they play a lot of possessions and they can, they can bury you. What, what do they do? They run and they offensive rebound. And what two things are no. Nebraska probably the worst at the transition right. defense and rebound. Oh yeah. And they will take the ball out of the hoop on Nebraska made baskets and run. I yeah. Mean, that, 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 they, now they don't have Cassius Winston now, but they still will push it like that. So that'll be, yeah, you're right. Transition defense is probably the number one most important thing. Now you go to Rutgers. You go to Rutgers on the road. Won't be, I mean, Rutgers isn't great. Um, and then what? Pretty good at home, yeah. Yeah, pretty good home. And then what? You're coming home to play Illinois. Come home, you play Illinois, Kofi Coburn in Illinois after yeah. Rutgers. Then you go at Purdue three days ah. later. Purdue might be the best team in the country. They got two no. seven. They got a seven-footer in Travion Williams. And, oh, by the way, Jaden Ivey, he's probably going to be a lottery pick. Now, here's what's scary. If you don't get one of these, like Rutgers or Illinois at home, you, you there's a danger of, of heading into that 0-8, 0-9, 0-10 region. And then what? Then what happens, you know? So you got to get one of these. That's what makes Ohio State sting, because that one you had. And if you yeah. get that one, it looks totally. – it. Totally. Lo- I think it, it changes the outlook. And it doesn't get any easier. You play Purdue, then you come home and play Indiana. Indiana put you in a vice grip, you know, a month ago. Then you're at Ohio State again. You're at Ohio State now. Who's going to be fully healthy and fully recovered from their COVID pause, you would think. Let's not forget that. Ohio State was coming off a three-week COVID pause the other night, and Nebraska couldn't put them away. Then it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin's playing great. Then it's Rutgers again. Then you're at Michigan. You know, it just – it never stops. It never, never stops. stops in this league. So, yeah, they, they needed that one the other night bad. We'll see what they can kind of muster up tonight. Is it one one uh, note on just on how, how good the Big Ten is? Iowa – and Wisconsin play tomorrow. And the nation's two leading scorers are going against each other. Yeah. Is that right? Is that right? Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray and, leads the country in scoring at like 24 and a half a game. And then Johnny Davis for Wisconsin second at 22 and a half. Johnny Davis might be the player of the year in the conference. That dude's unbelievable. He's Why not Keegan Murray? Because Johnny, well, you could, you yeah, could be either one of them. Yeah. I mean, that tells you how good the league is. We have, you're talking about those two guys for player of the year, and Purdue might have two or three guys that could be the player of the year. Jay yeah. Nivey. Ohio Jay, State's got a guy that could be the player. Yeah. You know, and EJ Liddell, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is in this league. Northwestern's better. Minnesota's better. Penn State's good. Like there's just no easy nights. And we say it every year and you get tired of hearing it, but man, it's the truth. That's just what it is. So yeah, Nebraska's in a tough spot. They got to, you can talk about effort and trying hard and all these other things, but they got to get one. Um, and it'll help too getting Trey McGowan's back. They should get him back in the next week or so, probably two weeks at the most, I would say. And that helps you uh, with your perimeter defense more than anything, but we'll see going to be a tough road to home. Wind back to the Nebraska women. So who would you say their top two players are? 
Great question, Seth. And, and you said, I don't know if it's real clear who their top players are. Jazz Shelley, for me, is one of them. Had a double-double last night as a guard, 12 points, 12 rebounds. Really quick. Great shooter, but can also penetrate. I really like her. I really like Izzy Bourne. Um, she drew the defensive assignment on Hillman last night and did a great job, set the tone, can score a little bit for her. She got in foul trouble. But if I have to pick those two, I'm probably, if I have to pick two, I'm probably starting with the two Australians. Those two are pretty good. But they've got, you know, Sam Ivey let him in scoring yeah. last year. You know, yeah. she's she's really good. And Alexis Markowski's coming on. She's a really yeah. good player. You know, yeah. I mean, they've got they've got pieces. They've got a lot of people you can say are their, are their two best players. But I'll take those two to start for sure. I covered, I covered two Thank games, you. I think, last year. And it just happened to be that in both of them, Izzy Bourne played really well. And when she shoot, I mean, the two games I covered, she shot it really well from the outside. And when that when she's doing that, I mean, she's a she's tough, tough cover. But she, yeah. she can do it a little bit of everything. So, yeah. I just I love I love their attitude I and, and I love talking to the players last night because they came in and said it like they 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 came in so we weren't going to lose this game like we they had that that kind of grit you know and you hear the word grit it's kind of a cliche they have it. like they've got the right mentality they they're not afraid to fight they're not afraid to stick their nose in there and you got to have that you know that you can't have a coach telling you to do that and their their best players have that mentality and that that makes you a really good team so yeah this was. Yeah, that I know. I know what you mean by grit. You hear it; it's a cliche. I don't mind that sports cliche, and I don't the reason either. I don't mind it, especially because of what we've established about the Big Ten. You you better have it. I mean, yeah. if you don't have it, then I don't know. I I don't know what to say about you. I mean, you're, yeah, just, I ber- you're not going to be that great. You know? It reminds me of, and I forget which coach said it. I think it was Tim Miles last year, the second to last year at Nebraska. One of the coaches came in and after the game. I think it was Mark Turgeon actually came in and said it. And he almost, he almost had this tinge of like, he almost felt bad for Nebraska because he said, if, if you're, if you have weaknesses, the big 10 will exploit them and they will, they will beat you to death with them. It's essentially what he said. I'm paraphrasing, but, no, and no, it's true. It's true. You know, and, and credit the Nebraska women, they, they got exposed the other night and they, they fixed their holes. Now you got to see if the Nebraska men's team can kind of do something similar. Going forward. Okay. Wow. All right, guys. Wow. That was good wow. talk. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think three weeks, <laughs> three weeks off probably got us below our legs back. Yeah, I think so. You uh, just wanna, a real quick note. Yeah, you, you, you want to just you want to throw in one. Let me just throw in one sort of uh, new recruiting update just uh, to close things out. Nebraska just offered a running back named Jay Allen, a Jay Allen, who was a 2022 kid, didn't sign in December. Who was verbally committed to TCU? Maybe hello. Oh, draw an eyeballs oh. emoji. Hello. Oh. What's that guy's name? Brian Applewhite. Brian Applewhite was a running backs coach at TCU. And obviously, they've gone coaching change, just like a lot of schools have, uh, with Gary Patterson being fired in the last few weeks of the season. So, something to keep an eye on there. I wonder how they came to like a running back committed to. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. We'll have to see how that plays out. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to wrap this baby up. We'll be back on our weekly schedule now from here on out going forward. Obviously, going to be plenty of news over the next weeks and months on multiple different sports. So keep it tuned to HuskerExtra.com, JournalStar.com slash Huskers. We'll keep you updated on everything. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.